Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, a semi-friendly discussion between two blokes on watches, cars, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Tommy and Sanjeev. Welcome to a Land Jam Short. Here's a shovel. That's right, and uh, I, I'm going to give you a shovel, Sanj, and I'm going to let you do That's it. what I figured the title was going to be, you know. <laughs> Literally end my 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 life with the shovel. I'm assuming. <laughs> I you know what I you know for longtime listeners of the show, I think if you look back in the last three years, I think once a year Sanj goes feral. You know, he just kind of I don't know. I always assumed you got lost in a grocery store for a couple months or a couple weeks. Sometimes I'm assuming that's what happened this time. <laughs> sometimes I just gotta go underground, bro. I can't tell you why. <laughs> Can't give you a good reason. I just got to lay low, you know? It's like, uh, you know, it's like a one-night stand he's been avoiding. It's this podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, it's him. not I cornered the podcast. Him. It's the other end of the podcast. Who, me? <laughs> how, how dare you? <laughs> uh, Tommy, so not again. I'm, you know what? To hell with you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, here's a shovel for you, all right? All um, right, so what are we talking about here? We're talking about the new Seiko Marine Master 200-ish. Oh, gosh. Uh, releases the SPB 185 and 187. Not so, again. Well, hang on. There's there's actually more going on here than what you realize, is, you know, what looks looks like it from the outside, right? So the 185 and 187 just like the marine master 200 is referencing the high beat diver that seiko had in the 1960s this is the 6159-7001 so that's the iconic high beat diver uh kind of uh put together seiko's diver design language with that four o'clock crown and 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 the applied uh applied dial markers, you know, that sort of thing really started with that watch. And this is an iteration of that design. Um, but they did a couple things differently than uh, what they did for the SPB 077 and the 079. Um, so where that, those watches are cased at 44 millimeters, um, this is actually subtly cased at 42. So it's a little bit smaller. Um, still a pretty chunky watch. Um, I think it's about 12.5 millimeters tall so it's not like it's any um shallower from that no from it's that not, definitely not a dress watch but it's not too bad i mean this is a dive's diver's watch you know it's got to be i mean the difference between 44 millimeters and a 42 millimeter case doesn't sound like much but i'm, I'm sure it wears a whole lot more comfortable i, I would agree so i mean yeah. it, it's only two millimeters but when you compare side by side you can easily spot the difference so i've got the 079 you know the, the blue the blue bezel one, which I, I absolutely love that watch. I'm wearing it right now. Um, but, you know, sometimes it, it can wear a bit big, you know. So I, I'm really curious what that two millimeter difference really comes down to when push comes to shove. Which is interesting um, because it, it's funny you said that because I've seen your watch and uh, it's a gorgeous watch. Um, and I think I believe one of my coworkers has one, too. And it doesn't wear like a 44. It feels a little bit smaller than what the size is. Yeah. But it is a big watch, nevertheless. I agree. And and once you realize that the 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 Marine Master 200 is, you know, sized a little bit smaller than the Marine Master 300 in many respects, it's it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, I definitely think the Marine Master 200 is is the way to go for that design. 
And, you know, I think the 185 and 187 being a little bit more subtly smaller is even a step in the, in a further step in the right direction. So that's not the only difference between these models and the older Marine Master 200s, right? So this one has that shovel hands with the red pip, which was an iconic Seiko design. Um, that was in the original 6159. Um, it's one of those things that collectors, you know, really kind of hope to see. Um, you know, my watch has that lollipop counterweight and just uh, a stick from the second hand. So it's the 079, I mean. So it's clearly a step to reference that classic, you know, 6159 watch. Um, and the hour hand is switched to the Marine Master 300 style. So no longer that big arrow hour hand. Um, I don't know. Was that ever something that turned you off, that big arrow hour hand? No, to be honest, it kind of worked in the 200, the Marine Master 200. Um, it, it's, it just gives a little bit of character. This one, I guess the way they implemented um, this one here, it, it's not really... It's not exactly straight. There's a little bit of thickness to it. And it's yeah. also loomed quite well, too. So I think this one gives it a bit more uh, uniformity in the design. But the 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 fat arrow on your watch, for example, it, it adds a character. It, it might be kind of off-putting to some. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like it. You know, I, I It didn't turn me off. Um, but some people, you know, were turned off by it. Actually, it's a pretty common mod to swap out that hour hand to get this style fat, um, flat baton hand. Yeah, um, the flat batons on the ones we're talking about here now. It just makes the watch a bit more generic with the other dive watches. I agree. I agree. So I don't know. In some ways, maybe that big, big arrow hand actually brings something different. Um, and the other thing you would notice as far as these two models, these model lines are concerned, is compared to the 077, 079, um, the 12-hour marker is actually a little bit pointier. Um, mine's a little bit more box-shaped, and the 12-hour pointer uh, has a bit of a point in, in, in the new 185 or 187. Um, but that's basically it. Uh, so, you know, obviously there's two color iteration. So the 187 is the black bezel blue dial. And the 185 is a steel bezel black dial, um, which I really, really like. Um, that would be my pick. Sanj, what would, what would you take? Yeah, I'll go for the 187, the stainless steel dial. Uh, sorry, not stainless steel, the black bezel, sorry. The black bezel. Okay, uh, 187. No, 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 no. Which one is the 187 again? The 187 is the Black bezel blue dot. Okay, no, I'll take go for the one eight five. One eight five. Yeah, that's that's the same way I feel. It it just looks a lot more tactical. It actually just blends into the case um, really really well. Um, I really like that actually. Yeah, um, it reminds me of the um, there's this one Tudor watch. It was a bit controversial um, that got released uh, I think last year. I, I got a yeah, but um. It's it's yeah very tactical. I mean, it doesn't work. Are you talking about the PO one, the 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 um, the prototype that they brought back? Yes, that one. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I can I can kind of see some vague similarities design wise between that and this and the steel bezel one. I actually can't even picture that watch, but I know what you're talking about. Um, what else was I going to say? Two other differences between this line and the SPB zero seven seven zero seven nine. The the new line has a 6R35 movement instead of 6R15. Um, so it's a little bit of an upgrade in the movement. And 
one little little thing is that the you know the 077079 had a, a a window a date window with an outline around it um like just like a white outline around the date window and these watches actually remove that now i don't know visually that makes a big difference i kind of like the outline it kind of gives it a little something um but I don't know. I don't know if you feel anything. No, sad. if anything, to be honest with you, I wish it didn't have a date window. I just wish it was a simple three-hander and put the, um, like, say, the six o'clock or the nine o'clock marker as the three o'clock marker. That would look really nice, especially on the uh, oh, 185. Okay. I didn't, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I would think about that, actually. Because even the 6159 had a date window. Um, interesting. Okay, I'll have to I'll have to turn that over in my head for a little bit, um, but yeah, you know, priced at twelve fifty euro, um, so it's not a cheap watch by any uh, means, but it is within the same price price uh, neighborhood as the Marine Master two hundreds. Um, that you know, there's a Twilight Blue, there's the O seven seven, there's the O seven nine, so you know, it's consistent with that line. Um, yeah, so Sanch, thumbs up or thumbs down? I think this is a thumbs up. I mean, this has the difference. Thumbs what? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. <laughs> I thought you said thumbs down. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Okay. I mean, I will, I will personally pick the 185. Uh, 185. So the Tudor I was referring to is the Tudor PO1, the Black Bay PO1. Um, gotcha. Yeah, so it's got, like, the PO1, it's got the uh, the crown at the 4 o'clock, but the bezel is stainless steel, but it's in um, hours, not in like the dive markings, so in minutes. But that being said, I just, you know, my only question is now, Tommy, would you take the S185, 187 line, or would you stick with your SPB079, the Marine Master that you have? Say if you're going in to buy a Marine Master 200. Or this. Fresh. Or this. Like, I I don't own one right now. I, I think, uh, honestly, I mean, this is going to sound stupid, but I honestly think it's a personal decision on colors and what you want. Um, you know, I love the black and blue in the 079, so I'm pretty happy with that. Um, I think the Twilight Blue Marine Master 200, uh, which, let me just... Uh, yeah, that, the SBB 079, I think the combination, just seeing that in real life, that bezel... It's just a simple... It's stunning. Yeah, it's stunning. It's stunning. Yeah, and the Twilight Blue, the SPB097, is also really, really attractive. I, I, I love that watch. Um, I've actually toyed with the idea of just getting that as well. <laughs> yeah, the, that, that be, is a very nice watch, um, especially with the... Watch. It's got like the Coke bezel, I guess. It's orange. So I think it's orange between 12 to 3. Yes. And it's got orange highlights, and it's a it's a rich blue dial with an orange uh, tip seconds hand. It's it's such a beautiful design. It's a bit more like retroish, I would say. With the yeah, yeah, it brings a little pop. And there's also the Zimbe line with with the green watches, uh, green versions of the Marine Master Two Hundred, uh, you know, gilt uh, marker. So there's, I mean, they've done a really good job with this line iterating on it they've done it really tastefully and I, I just love the the base model so you know i don't really feel a compunction to jump into a model simply because it's two millimeters smaller but I, you know i should they have started smaller yeah i i, I would say so 
you know, I, I think I think it would have been smarter to start there instead of doing doing this kind of midway. But you know, I, I feel no compunction to leave. I think it's really just a question of taste and what what colors you want. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is not a sophisticated answer, but it's a true answer. So like the the O seven nine, I always gave it rave reviews. It's gonna be a tough one for me if I were to pick one or the other, um, whether it's the one eight five or the O seven nine. Um, because like the first thing I would do with the uh, 185 is I would get like a really nice, like, like leather strap for it, whether it's like a bone strap or anything, because I think it complements the watch with be- being a stainless steel bezel. Yeah. 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 And, and, but the interesting thing is when I purchased my watch, the 079, it came with a steel bracelet. So the standard 079 comes only on rubber and then you can pay extra dollars to get it in steel. Yeah. The 077 comes in steel. I don't know why Seiko makes these decisions. I, I have no idea. So um, I wear mine on steel and I bloody love it. So, um, you, know, you know, that's my caveat. If you're going to, if you're going to get the 079, get it on steel because uh, it looks awesome. Um, and I'm actually debating getting a Uncle Seiko, like a tropic strap uh, style on top of mm. that. I, you know, just to switch it up because, uh, Seiko's, you know, deserve to be on Tropic. So um, the other thing I really yeah. like about, I mean, both both lines. Well, since we're talking about the one eight five, one eight seven, are the lugs and and the facets on the lugs that go around the case. Yeah. That's very sharp and and like it's got like different finishings on it. So so the the monochrome watches article that we put in the in the show notes talked that the that the lugs were a bit finished more than the 077079 but to be honest i didn't mention it in the episode because i'm looking at the pictures and i'm looking at my watch and i can't really tell the difference yeah so i don't know what i would be saying they did uh besides referencing the article but yeah i mean that whole design is so iconic so you know that 6159 the one thing if i were to guess between what you have the 079 and the 185 I think the the lugs are a bit more sharper. Like yours seems a bit more, like say at the at the very end of the lugs where it curves towards the case, it's a bit more fluid. I, let me see here. I don't know. I mean, it's I, hard to say actually. It's hard to say because I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the pictures, and I'm like, I really can't tell. Like, I, I really don't know. Like, it does have the same uh, beveling, so I don't see a difference there. Yeah, I'm just looking um, at the pictures where, like, the lugs where the, the the strap meets the lug, and there it does like a sharp crease there. I don't know. Maybe it's it's just not showing the pictures I'm seeing with the O seven nine. But yeah, I I I really don't know, to be honest. Yeah, I really don't know to be honest. They mentioned it. Um, I think the shovel hands, second hand, is really cool. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna debate that. I, I do think it brings a little something to yeah. the design. You know, so. what do you think of yeah, the 187 I, I, though? That's a no bueno for you. Uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't. It doesn't uh, stir anything for me. I don't know about you, Sanchez. No, you know, the, the black bezel blue dial. Um, you know, it's fine, but it's it's basically the inverse of my watch and the 079, and I don't know. It it doesn't do much for me. I just wish they actually put a. Uh... You know, combine the one eight five and the one eight seven together, like having the stainless steel bezel with the blue dial. That would be pretty cool. Oh, I see. Yeah, that would have been cool. I'm sure it's coming soon. You know, 
Seiko's, Seiko's on top of this. So um, it's just interesting because all the things that they incorporated here, like the, you know, the, the seconds hand and, and the hour, the hour hand, the changes that they did there, they, they're all common collector complaints that they just quietly put into another iteration of the watch. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Seiko's definitely listening, which, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, they're, they're not, they're not who they are without listening. So uh, it's pretty impressive. I like it. Good find. Good right. find. So, I mean, I, we started off this episode with me shaking about another Seiko episode, but looking at the watch more and more, they did it again, you know? Never doubt Seiko, Sanch. Never doubt. Seiko. I doubt everybody, including you. You've become very, very um, cynical over the last couple of years. I don't know what's happened to it's you. It's been a rough you know? month. Let's just put it. It's like, uh, it's like a, you know, when, 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 a, when a kid goes away for summer camp and comes back completely different. What's going on here? <laughs> Too much paper pushing, Tommy. Too much paper pushing. Crunching yeah. numbers, the usual. What else are you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's what we had for uh, the new watch of the day. Uh, moving on to closing notes, I've got two things, Sanch. All right, you ready for this? Both of them are kind of related. All right, so um, the first closing notes is uh, just a, a fantastic write-up of STS-1, which was the first uh, space shuttle mission. You know, if you've been following on Instagram, it's it's been, we've been talking about STS-1 for weeks now, uh, but it's a fantastic story. You know, with John Young, the veteran astronaut, Bob Crippen, the rookie astronaut, and they take... Uh, they undertake the, probably the most dangerous manned mission in NASA history, where two men flew a vehicle that was never flown before, you know, crewed. Uh, usually those missions are done uh, remotely. And these two men took this very dangerous mission. And, and it had hiccups. You know, they, they, they lost some tiles on, on, during launch. Uh, there was a real doubt whether, you know, they actually had a conversation about whether this would be a fail and what they would do, you know, in the instance that... They wouldn't survive re-entry, uh, but you know it worked like a charm. And uh, John Young obviously is the the ultimate astronaut's astronaut, and uh, definitely the guy you want in charge of uh, of a mission like that. So it's a great write-up. It's two parts. Um, you know, basically, part one is takeoff and the orbit, and part two is the landing, which uh, you know it's a fantastic story. So I highly recommend it. Yeah, I mean, the more I read it, I mean, yeah, they didn't really do unmanned missions with the a shuttle right like they did with apollo yeah they did they did this is unusual actually the soviets when they launched their buran space shuttle the only mission it flew was an unmanned test mission uh but same thing they weren't going to risk a human crew for it um and here nasa basically said that that's not possible with the shuttle it's just too complicated and we need crewmen on it um extremely dangerous mission uh no no precedent for it before Six. Yeah, I mean, There's in terms only... like when you compare like Apollo to the shuttle, you know, it was a complete exponential increase in in, in complexity. You know, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And and they just didn't know, you know, how all the pieces were going to work together. Um, which really, it's pretty shocking that they actually had men on that mission. It, it really, I is. I guess they did um, not want to risk the shuttle. You know, well, it's it's kind of a, a twofold thing, right? Like. You don't want to have you want you don't want to risk this, the crew's safety, but at the same time, this is way too complicated. And I'm pretty sure they didn't have the budget like they had with Apollo, you know, to send on manned rockets just to test, you know, like they. Yeah, I mean, they basically said it was too complicated to do remotely at all. Like they just couldn't 
give the commands. I, I, I really don't understand how that's possible if the Soviets could do the Buran, but maybe the Buran is a much simpler vehicle. Probably um, was, actually, um, but I, I guess that's... There's an interesting video on the Buran. I'll, I'll put that in a future episode on like how it did some things that were actually like quite better than the shuttle. Um, like, for example, like the shuttle was just a free glider coming to landing, yeah. right? So like once you came to the atmosphere, that was it. You had one approach to land. The Buran actually had jet engines in the back, which were of no use before the mission, only when you're coming to land. And so the Buran was actually powered to land. So if you had an issue on landing, you could actually turn around and fly this thing like a jet and come back and try again. It, from a safety point of amazing. view, it was better. But from a performance point of view, you are transporting two jet, or, or I don't know how many jet engines the Buran had, but uh, that's extra weight that could have been used for, for cargo or something else, you know, for space. It's true. It's true. Uh, it's, it's a trade-off, but imagine you know, it, it's a different take. Imagine yeah. you and I were on this STS one. And like, if you think back, take a step back, this is the first man shuttle mission that had no prior testing. Let's just say co- all combined together. And we are strapped onto two SRB rockets that once lit up, they will never stop. You can't stop them. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's insane. It's insane that, um, this was possible in, you gotta think about it. This was designed in the 1970s. Like that's, you know, really old technology. Uh, the tiles were never used before. This was the first time a, a, an aircraft was going to use these tiles instead of a traditional heat shield. Um, it, it was a very dangerous craft to fly and it was a very dangerous mission. It was really, really amazing that they pulled it off. Um, and, you know, credit to the crew. Uh, you know, it's got to be Young and Crippen who got to take the lion's share of doing that, especially Young who actually had to land it. And he, he did a picture-perfect landing. I mean, he's just such a character. Yeah, I mean... Like, I... like a cowboy astronaut. Like, he, he came, off the astro- uh, came off the space shuttle and kicked the tires. Like, it's like... And the engineers were like, you know, those tires are, like, under a lot of pressure. Like, it, any, you know, you, you kick that and that explodes, that, that kills you. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but that's the kind of guy he was. John Young, um, you know, he was, he, at that time, he was kind of like that old school feel to it, right? You know, experimental aircraft launches. Yeah, I mean, Gemini, yeah. Apollo, yep. twice in Apollo. Twice in Apollo. And two space shuttle missions. Yeah, so, so like he knew yeah. what it was like in Apollo, right? Like there was all sorts of firsts, Gemini, all sorts of firsts. You got to be... At that time frame, you got to be more of a cowboy to kind of take the risks. Absolutely. So Absolutely. it's a great well, thing that he was on the shuttle because he's like, you know, the confidence going in and that to give to the crew that everything's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's exactly the kind of guy you want in a contingency mission. So, uh, yeah, he, he, he was the man. You know? So I think after the Apollo 11 crew, which I think we all idolize, it's John Young for us, you know. Right, Sanch? I don't know. Apollo 13 crew is pretty badass, too. Apollo okay, let me rephrase it. All bad. the crews on Apollo, Gemini, Mercury, <laughs> anyone who's flown to space, they're all badass. No, of course. But as far as crew that we read a lot about and are intimately familiar with, 11, 13, and for me, it's John Yo, So Yeah. All right. Uh, so related to this is the space shuttle Seiko. Um, in the 1980s, um, obviously with the space shuttle's advent, the space shuttle would fly with two pilots and basically up to five crewmen. So yeah, I would say so. I think it would be payload specialists and scientists. So 
you know, NASA wasn't outfitting all these other crewmen with Omega Speedmasters. Uh, uh, it became practice for them to basically be outfitted with uh, Seiko A827 yacht timer uh, digital chronographs. Um, if you look at uh, uh, pictures of the, the Seiko astronauts, uh, Seiko crewmen, oh, sorry, what am I saying? Shuttle astronauts, <laughs> shuttle crewmen from the 80s, many of them will be wearing uh, basically a Coke dial or a blue and white, uh, sorry, Coke bezel or a blue and white bezel Seiko digital watch. Um, it's consistent. And uh, this became sort of an unofficial watch for uh, crewmen of that era. It, it just became practice. And I, I, I really can't get a lot of sources as to whether it was officially sanctioned, but I, I must assume it must be because it's so prevalent so many crewmen yeah it is um it may have been like an interim you know. before like maybe i'm just taking wild guesses here but it may have been an interim watch piece before like say the Speedmaster x33 came into play or something like that it, bingo that's exactly what it was as soon as the x33 became uh, operational and adopted by nasa i think these watches were retired uh that's what i've gathered but because one um, thing i can see as a problem with the watch are the buttons they're too small for like if you're wearing they're too small yeah, well, I, I think the understanding is these would not be out on EVA. This is just for the crewmen in the shuttle. Um, and it's the same story with the X-33. Those are not EVA certified either, from my understanding. They're only for use in the International <laughs> Space Station or the shuttle. So, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a kind of forgotten thing. Yeah, I actually had no idea uh, this even existed until we started talking. No idea. Yeah, I was just tooling around on the Internet, and this popped up. Um even, you know, the famous Reinhard Fuhrer, the German astronaut who flew with the Zinn 140142, yes. you know, the iconic Zinn space watch, on his other hand was a Seiko A829. So um, it's, it's really kind of a forgotten space watch. Uh, these are available on eBay, but they are actually not cheap. I think a lot of people have found out or figured out that these are uh, space shuttle Seikos. So they actually command... For working watches, command quite a quite a they premium. They do, so. yeah. Well, there's one on eBay for about three hundred bucks, and it's functional, Serge. Uh, brand new battery. Yeah, plus thirty. Is it is it the blue and white or the or the black? And, the black and uh, red. It's like the, I would call it the Coke one. Okay, gotcha. Let's see. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it seems that it's a little bit difficult to find the the blue. Yeah, I think that's become the more standard iconic color. But you know, I think the Coke looks pretty cool too. But uh, yeah, you know, this is a, kind of a hidden space gem. So if you're looking for a space watch that's not mainline and not a lot of people know about, uh, this may be the one to get. It's the Seiko Yacht Timer, uh, A827. Okay, so it brings me up to a question here. Now, in your watch collection, say you and I are astronauts and our mission was coming up and we are allowed to take two watches with us in your, from our collection, okay. what would it be? Okay. Well, obviously the Speedy. Well, for sure. Okay. So that's one. Um, I probably would take the Zen, to be honest. Ooh, nice. The 144. Yeah. What about you? I'll probably take well, obviously the Fortis. Um, that'll probably they'll. Well, why obvious? What? 
they'll probably dig me just because of the weight of the Fortis. You can only take one watch. Uh, what about the other the one? The other one might be, it's probably going to be the Seiko, maybe Samurai? Really? That's kind of a out of left field choice. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. Is there a reason for this? Do you have any rationale? I think it's just a great everyday watch. Um, and like I, I was either that or maybe the Seamaster, but the Seamaster is a bit small. Did you get that serviced yet? I know you had some issues with the Seamaster. What's going it on? It seems to be working fine. I, I've yet to service this thing. I mean, and you haven't serviced it since no, day one. I have not. And day one was what nineteen ninety. I don't even know. I mean. I have to ask my dad when he got the watch. Oh, I see. It's a, it's a gift. It's a gift. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, it's a gift for what I. So he, my dad had the watch, and he gift gifted to me when I finished my undergrad. Okay. I mean, it doesn't make it any. It's nice that it's a hand me down. That's that's a nice thing. That's a it's an heirloom. But yeah, I mean, it it works perfectly fine. It's a bit on the small side. I mean, that's the only downfall. Child size. Yeah. Tommy size. Tommy wrist size. <laughs> how, how dare you? <laughs> hey, you, you and I have the same wrist. Don't, don't get carried away. Yeah. But you're way more sensitive. <laughs> I am way more sensitive. I have, I've, I've already accepted my fate, Tommy. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we had for tonight, Sanjeev. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I think so. All right. So another one for the book. That's huh? right. I'm back, baby. I'm back. All right. All right. We'll get some more content out. Well, thank you again for joining us for another episode or another short from the Land Jam. And uh, we'll be back on a more regular schedule, hopefully soon.